You're listening to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Yeah, y'all give more to me. Praise this morning. Thank y'all so much um, for um, the worship. Man, it's great to be with you this morning. Great to be with the folks online. Uh, I want to invite you to go ahead and find your place in your Bible to Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 47. Acts chapter 2, and we'll read verses 38 through 47. And I want to just focus on um, the idea of coming together today. Coming together. We find uh, in Acts chapter 2, we find the disciples, many others, they're in Jerusalem, and Peter is preaching his Pentecost sermon. The day of Pentecost has come. He's preaching a message there that leads to the salvation of many, many souls. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we catch up with Peter right here, and it says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Father, we ask you this morning that you would teach us, teach me, allow me the opportunity to share your word uh, rightly. Uh, God, that you would train us, Lord, through your word, as to who we are, what you expect from us, and what we can expect from you. Father, I want to just thank you for this opportunity to assemble together today. For your glory, in Christ's name, amen. Her name was Marcia Engel. Marcia Engel lived on the corner of Oak Street, I think it was 410, 420 Oak Street. If you leave Gastonia, take 321 and run it south as you're going toward Columbia, the last town you'll run into before you hit, hit Richland County, which is where Columbia is located in Richland County, will be Winsboro, South Carolina. As you make your way down, when they break you from 55 miles an hour to 35 miles an hour entering into the city limits. 
about the time you get down, should have gotten down before then, but by the time you get down to 35 from 55, you will be passing the place that I grew up for the first 12 years of my life on the right-hand side. Just past there is a divide in the road. The bypass goes to the right, business goes to the left. My grandfather sold the county the land to put the intersection in. Junior high school used to sit to the right. It's another school now uh, for different age group, but that used to be a cow pasture where my grandfather and great-grandfather actually had cows. You take business to the left, and as you enter into Main Street, we would say, you'll pass on your left-hand side what I believe, if I have to check and may, I may not be saying this exactly right, but I think it is the oldest continuously running town clock in the United States of America. It's a historical clock. <laughs> as you pass that clock, and as you go out the other side of the Main Street area, lanes are going to go from four lanes down to two. As the golf course is on your right, you'll cross a creek just as you enter into the two-lane section. That creek runs to the mill where there used to be a cotton mill. You'll be entering into the village, the, the mill hill village. Every little town in the south just about's got one. As you make your way back up from the creek, you'll be going through the mill village and on your right you'll see a large building it was a recreational building that the mill, cotton mill, made for all the people in the community there, for their workers and their families. Had a retractable floor and a swimming pool up underneath. Pretty cool. Tennis courts out back. <clears throat> Just a really nice recreational building. And as you're passing that building, it being on your right, there will be a side street that comes up. If you turn right on that side street, you will be in between that recreational building and Stephen Green Memorial Baptist Church. It's where my grandmother drugged me for the first 14 years of my life. As you go between those two buildings <clears throat> and come to the next intersection, which would be Oak Street, just off to your right across the intersection is a little parking lot that the church uses on Sundays because the recreational building is now the county office where the police force comes out of and dispatch and all that, and so they're not running hard on Sundays, and the church uses what parking's left. Used to use all the parking when it was the wreck building. But on the other corner, that's where Miss Marcia Engel lived. She'd walk across a sidewalk or a road and another sidewalk and walk right into the door of the educational building for Stephen Green Memorial Baptist Church. She'd go up the steps, down the hall just a little bit, and enter into a little area, a communal area, where you could have a gathering and classrooms just off from it. She was my Sunday school teacher. I can't say that I could remember many lessons that she taught us. I do think that there were some things embedded in me while she was teaching, some stories out of the scriptures. But one thing I remember distinctly is that she loved me. She loved us. 
with an unusual love. A love that till this day stands out in my mind. Just last night I was thinking about some people as God would want me to start things off today and Marcia Engel was one of the first people to come to my mind. She used to take us on outings and things and love on us kids and Then I remember a lady by the name of Betty Swink. Betty Swink signed for the deaf at Stephen Green Memorial Baptist Church from as far back as I can remember. When we left to come to North Carolina in 2003, she was still doing it. Sometimes she'd have 15, 20 or so sitting there. Sometimes it'd be two or three. And she would sign during the worship service. She would sign during the preaching for them. But she also was a part of a puppet ministry that they had there at the church. And us kids, once we got up around 12, 13 years old, we got to be a part of the puppet ministry. I don't remember a whole lot about the puppet ministry other than the fact we was cut up behind the curtain. We went a bunch of places. I hope somebody got something out of it, but we, we had a ball back behind that curtain, you know. And uh, what stays, what goes on behind the curtain stays behind the curtain. Amen. <laughs> oh, but I remember this. Betty Swink loved me and the rest of them kids with an unfailing love. It's a man and woman by the name of Joel and Becky Castles. Joel and Becky Castles have been a staple there at Stephen Green for a long, long, long time. Getting well on up in years now. I went to do a, help do a, a funeral of, or went to go attend, I'm sorry, a funeral of a close friend of my dad's that attends, attended uh, Stephen Green. I slid in through the fellowship hall to see what they was going to have to eat before I went to the visitation that was going on. While I was snooping around, Joel and Becky come walking in the door with a big cardboard box full of stuff fixed there to love on people. I don't, rem rem I don't remember a whole lot of things about Joel and Becky, but I know they loved me. There was a man by the name of Max Hildebrand that led the music for a little while. I never really got that close to Max. But I can tell you this, Max Hildebrand loved God's people. Now I might could name a few others, but I couldn't name all of the people that went there, not because I couldn't call their names, but because I couldn't say that I had a testimony of unfailing love for everybody. There are others. What I'm trying to tell you is that when I think about church, those are some of my first memories of church. But I wonder what some people think when you say the word church. Sometimes people identify it with an event. You know, maybe, maybe a program or something. Like that's the church that does the festival. That's the church that always does trunk or treat. We want to make sure we will go over to that church. That's the church that does VBS really well. Maybe it's identifying with a person. That's where a preacher so-and-so preaches. But I wonder how the Bible identifies church. 
I wonder how the, the scriptures define church and describe church. In our text here, we have an interesting word. I want to take you to verse 47. Verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all people, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That the Lord added to the church. Now, you can do a study and you'll find a, a few different paths describing how we got the actual English word church. I, I read one uh, explanation that said it come from a, a, some European word that means circus. And that's kind of fitting in in the church and circus. You know, anyhow. Um, the, but regardless of how we got the English word church, I know that we'll get an answer if we go to the, to the text. And the text there uses the word in the Greek, ekklesia. That word ekklesia, it means for people to come out from where they are and come together. It's an idea of a gathering together from different places to people, a group of people gathering together, sometimes for political reasons, sometimes for social reasons or civic reasons, but coming together. When Congress convenes up in Washington, that's an ecclesia, that is a gathering together of people. When the Senate comes together, that's an ecclesia. They had an ecclesia at Woodstock back some days back. People coming together. In Columbia, South Carolina yesterday, they had an ecclesia to watch the South Carolina Gamecocks get the snot beat out of them. That's a coming together. At Mars Hill, in the scriptures, in the book of Acts, there was a coming together. But it was not a godly coming together. It was a coming together of pagan worshipers, thinkers, and Stoic philosophers. And Paul there defines for them the name of the unknown God, the, uh, an opportunity for him to share the gospel. But see, that was a gathering, but it was not a gathering that God had assembled together. But the day of Pentecost, God pulls together people. In our text, that they... <coughs> They were joined together. As a matter of fact, let me show you a few words that would be worth noting. In verse 41, it says, Then those, that word those is a noteworthy word when we talk about the church, because those, you are those people who come to the 11 o'clock service. They are those people who gladly received His word, were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Them is a good noteworthy word. It's, it means that there's more than one, right? To them. And they, verse 42, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Just want to throw a few words out there to draw you in to realize that there is more than just a couple. Even though we know that there are 3,000 added to them that day, that, that means there were already some, and they added that many to them. <laughs> and then the Lord would add daily those that were being saved. So there's a group there. Those, they, them. There's a group there. There's a group there of people who are called out. You can kind of understand when you think about it, when the birth of the New Testament church took place, that you can kind of understand why the government might have been a little bit, I guess, ang had a little anxiety over it. When the, when the government, whether it be the Greeks, whether it be the Romans, whoever it may be, they would gather together a group, 
for political reasons. They would do it so that they could maintain control. They were politicking. And here you have this group that is following this man that supposedly has died, and yet even after his death, they don't believe in his resurrection. They don't believe that it's true. But yet after he supposedly has died, raised, and ascended to heaven, he's gone regardless. He's gone, but yet they still get together. They still assemble together and there's like this, this uncanny power in this gathering that's going on. So you can kind of understand that, that there's a, almost a greater following for Jesus than there is for Caesar. And that would intimidate a ruler. Nevertheless, the, the group is getting together and the group is growing. There are a lot of folks that think that they can do things on their own at their house and be right with God. I'm here to tell you today that that doctrine is not found in the Scriptures. Even the Old Testament Jews came together. There are a lot of people that profess to be following after some of the beliefs of the Old Testament Jews, but even the Old Testament Jews had solemn assemblies. You'll find back in the Old Testament, they'll have times when they would go seven days, and then on the eighth day they were to they would give sacrifices for seven days, and then on the eighth day they would call a solemn assembly together. Sometimes they would go six days, and then they would call a solemn assembly together on the, on the seventh day. So it's not uncommon, and even the Old Testament Jews would assemble together at the tabernacle, the temple. So coming together is not a foreign thing for God's people. So somebody that thinks that they can do it on their own at home would be stretching to try to find a place in Scripture to justify the fact that they could do that. Because God, well, let's just dive in a little bit and I'll see what God, and get ahead of myself, see what God intends for us. I believe that God intends for us to come together. You look at Galatians 1, 1 and 2. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Listen, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, to the called together ones, the, the ecclesia of Galatia. It's not uncommon for a particular area to be uh, named by, uh, for the church to be named by a particular area. The church at Ephesus, the church at Thyatira. I mean, and, and then we think about it, I'm still, I told them in the last two services, I'm still looking for the chestnut ridge. There should be a grove of chestnut trees somewhere on a ridge. Because there's a road up here that says Chestnut Ridge Road, and then there's Chestnut Ridge church road, but nevertheless, this is an area known to be Chestnut Ridge. And we are the church that meets at Chestnut Ridge. You get it? Chestnut Ridge Baptist Church. Or maybe you go to Atlanta, Georgia, you find First Baptist Atlanta. It's just the church, that particular group of people, Ecclesia, meeting in Atlanta, Georgia. But yet I got a phone call, or not a phone call, a text, I'm sorry, from a person in the body of Christ from Guatemala this morning. Most Sunday mornings I get one telling me that they're praying for me as I teach God's Word this morning. So there's, there's this universal body of Christ that there are believers all over this world, but yet with believers all over this world there is the, there's the idea that God has called us to gather together in local groups. 
You know, and, and you know, it's like some people will say, well, it's supposed to be house churches. Yeah, but if you follow what's going on here, first off, I'm going to just show you in the text here. It says that they, um, so continuing daily, for verse 46, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. That's what it says. But even if you start a house church, if the body is healthy, the Bible says that any healthy body grows. Once you grow, you have to accommodate for the body's growth. And if you go, you look, and you'll find pictures even of ruins of the church at Ephesus and other churches, that this is where the building was built. Why did they build a building? Because they couldn't all fit in the house. And that's how it is with the body of Christ. If the body is healthy, the body grows. And as the body grows, we accommodate. How many of y'all have ever had this happen at Thanksgiving or Christmas? Or maybe you had this past week. You put out a card table. or put. We, I know Christians don't play cards. I know. But, but y'all, you put out a, a table for somebody, extra table. Or maybe a folding plastic table or something there. We did that. We have this thing that's uh, it's like a high chair that converts into a toddler table that it's just it's one of these things. And so we put the toddler table in between me and the TV and right there in the, in the den and put the grandbabies at the toddler table. Why? Because the family's growing. We're accommodating for the needs of the family as the family grows. Maybe you've done that before. You have family gatherings and stuff and you're scrounging, want to borrow chairs from this person and that person. Need a couple folding chairs. Now, pastor, does the church loan out the chairs? I don't know how many times I've been asked that question, you know. Um, and anyhow, and we, we, we did, a lot of people use the fellowship hall. Why? Because there ain't enough room at the house to accommodate the gathering. And, all, and we, let me just say this. Sometimes we overthink things so much just so we can satisfy our own desires. So many of us will take and twist Scripture because um, it just it says what it says. But we'll twist it just to accommodate us because we don't want to. I, 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 I can do God right here at house by myself. All I got to do is put my little tunes on and I can read my Bible. Yeah, but you can't do ecclesia at home. You can't do ecclesia by yourself. That's what I'm saying. Uh, they, it's been said there are no long ranger Christians. No, that, that you need to be a part of the body of Christ. We'll look at why. But, but let me just throw another one out there. In Romans 16, verse 5, we find the church that is in the house of Priscilla and Aquila. There's a church meeting. They're in a house. But if that church is healthy, it will outgrow the house. And they'll have to figure out what they're going to do from that point forward. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. He says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. In other words, that God is serious about this gathering together, this ecclesia, this, this, this coming together. There are folks out there that, you know, they don't want to come to church because they've been hurt. I'll get to it in a minute, but it hurt Christ a whole lot more to buy the church than it did than what happened to you. Let me tell you a little bit about the church. The church is a body. And, and the Bible actually defines it as a body. As a matter of fact, I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. It says, and he put all things under his feet, talking about Christ, 
all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. So the church, in that text, it says that the church is the body of Christ, and that Christ is the head of the church. So we know without a doubt that Christ is the head of the church, and that the church, that we, that you, if you are a born-again believer, if you are baptized, and I'll talk about that in just a second, but if you are baptized into the body, then you are a part of the body of Christ. And when we come together, the body, as a matter of fact, it tells us in Ephesians that the body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So that if you're a part of the body of Christ and you are not functioning within the body, then the body is lacking because you are not providing what you should be providing to the body. And therefore, we wonder sometimes, should the church grow? If the body is functioning and everybody is contributing to the body with gifts, and we'll talk about those, but gifts that God has given us and we're functioning in our place in the body, then guess what? The body grows. How many of you, I know we can tell horror stories, but how many of you can say that you are thankful for the body of Christ? That you have received some type of ministering because of the body of Christ? If you're saved today, I promise you, it's because the body of Christ was functioning. The gospel was going out. If you've ever been loved on during a crisis in your life, the body, by the body of Christ, it's because the body was functioning. If you've ever been in need, maybe you were short on a house payment. Maybe you had a tragedy happen and you need a little help getting through at a time. And the body comes together. Maybe, maybe a group within the body. Maybe a Sunday school class. Maybe some other group comes together. Maybe some of the men in the church, the deacons, whatever. They come together and they pull together. And, and then they help you do it through that time. Then the body of Christ was ministering together. There. Christ the head. The body's made up of those that believe on him, that are baptized into the body, made a part of the body through faith in Christ, finished work on the cross. Acts chapter 2, once again, verse 40. And with many other words, he testified, exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And the fear fell upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believe were together. You hear it? Together. And had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them amongst all as everyone had need, anyone had need. So continuing daily in one accord in the, in the temple and the breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let me just say this. I understand what we have been through as a, as a, a, a world. I mean, it's global. The pandemic, I, I get it. But let me say this. At some point in time, we've got to start marching again. 
At some point in time, we've got to start being the church again. The church has been through many, many, many devastating things through the years. If you think that the pandemic is deadly, try to have been a Christian in the 1500s. As a matter of fact, try to have been a Christian from the 500s on into the 1500s. When if you professed to have a Bible in your hand, they would take the Bible from you and burn your Bible. And if you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that you believe that Christ was head of the church and not a pope was head of the church, and that you had the ability to, to reason in Scripture because the Holy Spirit of God lived in you, and you could take the Word and read it on your own, they're liable to burn you at the stake. I remind you of, I believe it was Polycarp. I've told this story before. If I can remember, I didn't use it in the first two services, and I called in my memory what he's. It, they wanted him to say, uh, Kaiser Curios, that Kaiser was Lord. And I think if I remember right, it was Jesus Ho Curios, that Jesus is Lord, is all he would say. So being a Christian in other times in this world has cost far more percentage-wise in deaths. As a matter of fact, go over to the Middle East right now. Go over to the Middle East and be a Christian in the Middle East. Now, I'm not talking about a Christian like America knows. I'm talking about a Christian. Somebody who's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who reads their Bible, and listen... There are groups meeting everywhere. We have the freedom to meet here for a couple of reasons. One that we forget a lot of times is because servicemen and servicewomen gave their lives. And even the people that came and started this country gave their lives so that we might be free from the tyranny of, of government run over the church. And we are meeting together today but don't you, in freedom because of those lives. But don't you forget that there are people meeting in underground churches all over this world Ecclesia, they're gathering together against the government's rule, against what they say, so that they might come together to be the Ecclesia. It would be a whole lot safer for them if they would just stay home. Maybe they can watch it on live feed. At some point in time, folks, the church is going to have to be the church regardless of what's going on in the world. I understand being safe. Good Lord, do I understand being safe. Definitely, while the balcony has been being remodeled, here we are doing three services to try to make sure that we can spread people out. I understand paying the price to be safe. We put these devices in our HVAC systems to where it's supposed to kill COVID. It's proven to kill COVID within just minutes and to kill bacteria and germs with it in a sneeze before it gets three feet away from the person's body. You know, and uh, I mean, we, we, we understand sanitizing stuff and wipe, you know, wiping things down and all that. We get it. And I'm not harping on this, but at some point in time, we've got to fulfill what God's called us to fulfill. 
We need, here's a statement I want you to take with you. We need each other to be the body of Christ. I can't be the body of Christ by myself. It was never intended to be that way. We need each other. And let me, let me give you this. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, through 13, 12 and 13. He says, for as one, I'm sorry, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit you were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek or whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. When they talked even in our text in Acts chapter 2 about that day they were baptized, there, there's a couple of things that happens there. The Holy Spirit of God baptizes us into fellowship with Christ. We visibly give a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the picture of our, uh, and our joining with Him in the immersion of baptism. That we, when we're baptized, we, we, we are saying that we are uh, assembling together to testify of uh, us joining with Him in His death, burial, and then also raised to newness of life in His resurrection. But yet we are also being, at, during that time, we are being baptized into a body of believers together. The visual testimony, but then the actual testimony of what goes on within. And when, when the Holy Spirit of God comes within us, and this is important that you catch this, when God does come within us, makes us part of the body of Christ. One Spirit, one baptism, one Lord, one faith, we, we are a part of the body of Christ now, and something's different about us. Something is to be different about us, that, that old things have passed away, as it says, and all things have become new, that now there is this chastisement that goes on within us, this, this discipline that happens, the, 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 that God convicts us of our sin, and that we live contrary to the world. And I, I love the day that we live in because people used to hide a lot behind suit and ties and dresses as, as their righteousness. But now, in this dark world that we live in, now the suit and ties are, are pulled away. And now it's you, if you're going to live, you're going to have to live. And God wants us to live in His power for His glory so that the body of Christ might be seen to be His body. Think about this, the love that we are to have for one another. He says, they will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. That within the body, I'm, I'm beginning to believe in some ways that the greatest outreach might be the inreach that we do with each other so that the world might see. And that's more than one person can handle. Yes, Christ is the head. He's given a pastor to the church. I get that. He's given other uh, roles of leadership within the church. But it's just like with me. The pastor's role is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This week starts an emphasis on trying to teach us about a plan that we're going to execute at the first of the year. To where we're going to try things a little bit different. And that we're going to hold accountable to some things. That we're, we're going to try to do this body of Christ thing. 
like God intends for us to do it. And that does not mean we'll be perfect at the, you know, at the blink of an eye. And that's not meaning that we haven't done things that are right through the years. But it does mean that we ought to reevaluate our lives, just like we ought to do in everything. We ought to reevaluate our lives and see where we are. Make sure we don't fall short and uh, as, as it was said of a church in, in Revelation, that we don't lose our first love, that we don't grow cold, I mean lukewarm, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Let me, let me throw a, another thought out for you when it think, you think about caring for one another. Peter was locked up in prison, Acts chapter 12, verse 5. It says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Not by building, not by property. Constant prayer was offered for him to God by the church, which means there was an assembled together group, and they were praying for Peter. Because Why? Because one of their brothers was in distress. I want to kind of take a turn with you for a moment to show you where the power of the church sometimes comes from. Do you know that Jesus is in favor of church discipline? That Jesus is in favor. This is Jesus. These are red letter words. Jesus is in favor of church discipline. And that's so contrary to the world that we live in to hold anybody accountable for anything. But did you know that within the body of Christ, listen, and he takes it serious because, uh, well, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. In other words, Christ, contrary to what we want to believe, Jesus died just for me. No, he didn't. That's not a fair statement to just say, Jesus died just for me. Jesus died to redeem to himself a people. That they may testify of who he is. That he might prove himself to be a savior to redeem those people for all of eternity. To provide a place for them. But don't miss why we're here now. We are here now to be the body of Christ. The body of Christ testifying. We are to be Christ. Listen, if we are the body of Christ, that's why we say that we are to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. Some, he says, have the gift of helps. In other words, like you, you say, let's say you have a gift of hospitality or helps or something like that. You are to be that as Christ would be that. If you're a giving person and your charity is something that God has just so gifted you with, you are to be charitable as if Christ were being charitable to somebody. If you're praying for somebody and you've you, you feel led to pray for them, you ought to pray for them as if Christ were praying for them. That if you're leading a Sunday school class, you ought to do that as if you were doing it as Christ and for Christ. Do everything that you do as unto the Lord. That's what I'm getting at. And, and, and so understand that you and I have to take things more serious probably than we ever have, especially now as the day is approaching. And the world so desperately needs to see the light of the gospel shining. And what better place to see it shining from than here? In this group of believers. Um, let's go to Matthew 18 for just a moment. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17. 
there's an interesting thing to me that when you see God's righteousness being exalted and man being held accountable to the righteousness of God, there's an interesting thing that happens within the body. It says that in many places it says fear fell on all that were there. Fear fell among them. And many wondrous signs were done. I wonder sometimes if why we don't see any more miraculous things than we do is because we don't fear God reverently like we should. Let me read these verses to you. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, this is Jesus. Y'all with me? Church, y'all with me? Okay, this is Jesus saying this is written in red. These are words out of the Bible. Jesus said, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. We live in a world sometimes when we really do want to pick and choose what we use in church life. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm confessing something out of my own life where I believe I miss God and did not do what was beneficial to the church that I pastor. I had somebody one time in leadership that sinned against me and against the church and against the Lord. I went to them. They wanted to continue the path that they were going on, so I got a few leaders together. Sit down, talked it over, prayed about it, got a few people together, sit down with them with a couple of witnesses. Person would not repent. Even admitted that they did wrong, but wouldn't, showed no remorse. As a matter of fact, showed indignation when challenged with it. And so what I felt was the best thing for the church at the time, and you got to hear what I'm saying, listen to you hear what I said, what I felt was best for the church at the time, to hurt, keep the church from having any hurt or any disruption, we, we asked that person to leave amongst the leaders. See, I did wrong. And I look back and I am convicted over the fact that I did wrong. And I, I today apologize to the body of Christ for not having followed the scriptures like they say. I, we offered him the opportunity to come up here and make it right before everybody. Wouldn't do it. Felt it better to just leave than to stand and confess. What, what I should have led us to do was to not ask him to come up here, but to bring him up here before the body and say, this brother here has sinned. He will not, he will not repent. And here, let, let the church hear it. And if he will not repent before the church, then we should have cast him off then. You say, man, that's old time stuff. If that's old time stuff, then we need to quit what we're doing. Because all of it would be called old time stuff. 
That doesn't mean that you go around throwing rocks at everybody. I want you to hear my heart when I say this. That don't mean that you go around throwing rocks at everybody that commits a sin. That is not what that means. Do you see the process? The grievous process. Do you think it's fun to sit down with somebody and talk to them about the fact that they have wronged you or wronged other people? It ain't. Blair can tell you it's, it's hard. We hate having to do things like that. And thanks be unto God, we don't have to do that stuff often. But we have had to do those things by, in, in, in days gone by. But see, I think I robbed the church of the fear of God. In the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira lied to God about some, a deal that they had done, some money that they had acquired from the sale of something. And God struck them dead there. In, listen, you go read it. In the assembly, the church was gathered together. And God struck them dead. And fear fell on the church. It's hard to live. I just want to share this with you. It's hard to live as a human being that has been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As a sinner saved by the grace of God. And to hold other people accountable. But what you've got to understand is, that's why it's so important that we examine our own lives every single day. Especially even as leaders. That we would examine our... I, I fail God. Yes, I do. I don't want to fail God. If I've offended you and you come to me and tell me that I have offended you, it would be, I would be responsible to, to repent of that that I have done to you. And let me just say this, whether I feel like I've done wrong or not, because obviously there is a perceived offense, and I don't want to be guilty of even the perception of offending somebody. And it happens, does it not? It happens. That's just life. But if we're going to do church together, if we're going to come together, I mean, good Lord, if it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be sitting in this room together. Let's just be honest. We don't, how many of y'all think blue is the best color? I got any blue people in here? Red? Got some reds, greens? Yeah. Let's all pick out the color of carpet that we need to put in the church. <laughs> it ain't, ain't going to happen without hurting people, right? We're different. If we had a fellowship and people brought food, there would be people sitting at one table talking junk about how the other person's food tasted, right? How are we supposed to live together? We are supposed to live together as people who have one focus, and that is to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we deny ourselves the right to be right all the time. And that we surrender our lives as dead, reckoned as dead to ourselves and alive to Jesus Christ. And that we love one another as Christ also loved us, gave himself for us. Even though while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That you and I are to live. As a matter of fact, it says that we are to count others better than ourselves. Very few people want to do that, but I can tell you right now, the only way you'll be able to do that is because the Spirit of the living God convicts you to do that. That's why the Bible says they went out from among us because they were not of us. 
There's a difference in the people that are saved and people that are lost. Like I say, just not, don't throw away grace. And, and you've, if you've come here any length of time, it's not like there's a lynching mob going on all the time. What I'm just trying to tell you is that there is an accountability within the body of Christ that is desperately needed I um, did a funeral Friday, and uh, the gentleman who took on the personal responsibility of being my family's deacon, his name is Jerry Dover. Even when he got to the age to where he had stepped back because he wasn't physically capable of carrying out duties and all, and he still kept a check on us. Did his funeral, and um, I want to read to you the first couple of lines of the card that was handed to me by his children at the funeral. <clears throat> it says, Greg, thank you so much for being a part of Daddy's service. You were such a blessing to him, and he was so loved by the church. The church was so important to him and mama, and they loved everybody. Did you hear that? It's almost like my sermon in a sentence. The church was so important to him and to mama, and they loved not the place. They loved everybody. And I can testify on his behalf, that they did. They loved being with the body of Christ. They loved being a part of the body of Christ. Were they perfect? Or was he perfect? No. No, not at all. But he never would claim to be perfect. But was he repentant and was he faithful? Yes. Yes. Did he have any desire to hurt somebody? No. He only had a desire to benefit the body of Christ. Oh, that it would be said of each of us that that was true at the end of the day. But I'm afraid in so many cases, the testimony of our lives, if left up to the people that know us, I'm afraid that there will be a lot of people who the testimony of their life will not be like that. It'll be that they loved some sports team to the end. It'll be that they worked hard at their job to the end. It'll be that they, uh, were, they loved hunting or loved fishing. It might even be that they loved their personal family more than anything else on this earth. And in every single case, they would be robbing the glory from God and testifying of the fact that they did not belong to the ecclesia. The testimony of somebody's life who belongs to the gathering is that they love Christ. And if you love Christ, you love His church even with her imperfections. 
I had another, I've had this happen a couple of times, but I had a, one of the members of the church <laughs> needing to leave their house for emergency medical attention. And I know this person very well. Trying to pray with them, get them out the door so that they can go receive emergency medical attention. Preacher, hang on before you leave. I might not make it to church Sunday. I need to go get my offering and give it to you. And I'm like, get in the vehicle and get to the hospital. No, 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 this is more important. And see, it, it ain't about a show. I promise you, I know them. It was about the fact that, that if they were, this was going to be the last thing that they do, they wanted to be obedient to him. To benefit the body of Christ for his glory. And I'm sitting there going, I wonder if I would be thinking about that. You know, on my way to the hospital, heart problems and all. Hey, Christy, before I leave out of here, how about do my online giving thing? Our online giving thing, not my online giving. Hey, funny note, we got, we got uh, to go to a benefit uh, supper, a friend of mine, and was recognizing some people for their service to the Lord and that he recognized in his own personal life, invited me and Christy and a few other people and had a benefit banquet on our behalf for the glory of God. And we were coming back from that benefit thing, come from Bessemer City, we come by here, been on vacation, you know, and she, uh, she said, look, it's amazing. The building's still standing, and you ain't been there all week. <laughs> I could care less if the building stands compared to caring about you. I want you to stand with me for just a moment. I'm just going to pray. We're going to sing a couple verses. I just I want you to just let God evaluate your heart. Are you a part of the body? Or do you just attend where the body of Christ meets? Or the just kind of a person within the the, the gathering? I believe God would call you out of that to save you. And then place you in in the right way. So if you're lost, you can come to faith in Christ today. Christ wants to give you, he wants to impute to you his righteousness. He, he takes your unrighteousness, he took it on the cross, paid the penalty, God's wrath on him. Now he offers you his righteousness that you might have, well, you might live the Christ life. And if you've never done that today, you can do that. You just repent of your sinfulness before God. Believe in what Christ has done and His finished work on the cross. That the Bible says that He was crucified. The Bible says that He was buried. And the Bible says that on the third day, He arose. You put your faith and trust in His finished work and follow Him from that point forward as Lord of your life. And if that's something you do today, please... Come talk to me. I'll, I'll hang out and do what I need to do. You come talk to me. But I want to pray for us as we get ready to uh, take a couple of weeks and, and learn about being a disciple within the body of Christ. And so, uh, so I'm, 
I'm just going to pray. We'll sing a couple verses. We'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much, God, for this day. Thank you for your amazing, amazing grace, God. I ask you, Lord, that you would please, God, um, use us in such a way. Thank you for listening. You can reach us at life at crc.com.